You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Now, if you have ever struggled with the concept of, quote, doing it all and, quote, finding work-life balance and even heard or heck said the phrase, quote, just wait until you've had kids. Well, today's episode is about to rock your world. Today, we get to talk to the incredible Laura Vanderkam. Laura is the author of quite a few time management and productivity books, including I Know How She Does It, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, Off the Clock, and 168 Hours, and more. Her work has appeared in publications including The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She is the host of the podcast Before Breakfast and the co-host of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. She lives outside of Philadelphia with her husband and five children and blogs at lauravandercam.com. Now, today we sit down and talk to Laura, who is also an incredible mother of five kids. Now, you might be thinking, how does she do it all? And guess what? We talk about that. This episode is for you if you've struggled with work-life balance or raising kids or wanting to someday while also running a business. And if you've heard the phrase, just wait till you have kids and you're ready to hear that myth busted once and for all, as well as handed some tools and strategies to begin to take back your life, keep listening. Now, without further ado, let's talk with Laura. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Laura, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so excited to be chatting with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, I can't wait for today's conversation. But before we dive into that, could you just tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Well, I am the author of several productivity and time management books, including 168 Hours, and I Know How She Does It, and a few others. I host um, two podcasts, one called Before Breakfast, um, another called Best of Both Worlds, which I co-host with Sarah Hart Unger about the intersection of work and family. Uh, Speak on the topic, I live with my husband and five kids outside Philadelphia, and I've always been interested in how we spend our time and how we can enjoy it more and make more of the hours that we have. Love it. I'm so excited (laughs) for this conversation. Laura, Lindsay and I both really enjoy this conversation of just kind of time management. And I think I think productivity gets a bad rep a lot where people are like, oh, that's encouraging, you know, a workaholic mindset or, you know, that type of overworking. And I think for me, at least, and I know very much so for Lindsay as well, and I know for you, Laura, productivity and time management, we're so passionate about it because it actually allows us to have more time to rest, more time for our family, more time for the things that are important instead of wasting it, you know, on stuff that doesn't actually matter or make a difference in the long term. So 
I don't know. I'm really excited for this conversation. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. I, I that productivity gets a gets a bad reputation. Um, it's not just about cramming in more things that you have to do during the day. I find that when we have a plan for the things that we have to do, we can often confine it to smaller chunks of time. Mm-hmm. We can keep time open where we can relax and think about how we'd like to spend more of our time, um, what we want to do more of with our time, what we'd like to do with our lives, have time for fun, have time for relaxation. So yeah, I hope I can change people's minds about what being productive really means. Yes. We're here for it. Okay. So first, like, I guess big question for you, Laura, is you have written obviously so many incredible books on the subjects of productivity or time management. Would you want to like share how you got so passionate about this topic and how you kind of got into discovering it or teaching it or writing about it? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the most fascinating things about time is that we all have the same amount of it. And so I realized at some point as I was, you know, building my career and starting to raise my family that there are, there are these people out here who are doing amazing things professionally and yet also have really cool personal lives too. I mean, they're not making those harsh trade-offs that people often think success requires. And I wanted to study these people and see what they were doing. And as I was doing so, it occurred to me that, you know, sure, they may have other things going for them than the rest of us do. I mean, they might be smarter or richer or better looking, but they don't have more time. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. We all have 168 hours in a week. And so when you find these people who are doing amazing things personally and professionally, it might behoove the rest of us to study how they are spending their hours. And again, yeah, some people have more resources than others, but you know, there's certain things you personally still have to do. And so I've built my career, all my books, been studying how people who um, do amazing things get it done in the time that we have. Oh, I love mm. it. That's awesome. Well, we're so excited to talk about this. Um, we're, we're passionate about it as well, like we said. And for our listeners, a lot of them are mothers. And so I think it's so cool just to have you on the show. I'm a mom of one. Evie is not a mom <laughs> yet, but I know she wants a lot of littles yeah. in the future. And so it's we wanted to bring someone on the show to talk about productivity and time management from the perspective of a mom of five, which you are killing it. I just want to glean all your wisdom. Probably read all your books. <laughs> Honestly, that's probably the gleaning the wisdom. Um, But my first question, I think there's often this perception out there that the second you become a mom, all the free time you once had suddenly vanishes, right? Uh, It's like sucked up by diapers and sippy cups and all of that. And then you no longer can do anything for yourself. You no longer can have a morning routine or an evening routine. You no longer can be a productive businesswoman. I think that's like the lie out there or just even people believing that they don't even think that's a lie. So what would you say to all of those statements? Well, so one of the reasons I think people believe that is when you are caring for an infant, it is a pretty all-consuming job. And that's how people form their impressions of motherhood. Um, But the good news is kids do grow up. um, (laughs) And every time they do, uh, you start to get a little bit of that autonomy over your time back. Um, But it's not just that. If if you are, you know, willing to share the load um, with other people in your life, friends, family, partner, um, paid help, whoever else, Uh, And if you are also good about thinking about how you'd like to spend your hours and making plans ahead of time, you can, in fact, do those things that you wanted to do in the past. You can still make space for them. I mean, maybe not everything you used to do, but certainly some things. So, you know, I realized when I became a parent that um, I still really enjoyed my writing. I wanted to keep doing that. 
uh, professionally. I also really enjoyed running. I wanted to keep doing that. And I enjoyed singing. Uh, I've sung in choirs for many of the years, uh, you know, the past however many years since I've had kids. And, you know, I'm not going to sing in six choirs, but I can certainly sing in one. Um, and I don't think it's really that huge an ordeal to have one night off. I encourage everyone to arrange their lives to have one night off per week for family from family and work responsibilities. Um, especially if you are co-parenting with someone, you can trade off and each of you gets one night off. And that can go a long way toward making you feel like you are still the kind of person who has a life outside work and family. Um, because that's a lot of time is what we think of it. Because if we're telling ourselves this story, oh, I have no time for anything. I have no time for fun. I'm brushed. I'm harried, pulled in a million directions. Well, we can all find evidence from certain moments in our lives that that might be true. But if you have a different narrative, namely, I have enough time for the things that matter to me, then you can probably find evidence for that too. And particularly when you build certain structures into your life, like, you know, taking one night a week to do choir practice, um, you know, it becomes harder to tell yourself that story that I have no time. And I think it's a good idea not to tell ourselves that story that we have no time. Um, so I encourage people to structure their lives to, to make more of that sort of chosen activity possible. Mm, I love it. And Laura, in your book, 168 Hours, something that really resonated with me that I loved was kind of you from a mom's perspective, like a homemaker, a wife, a mother's perspective, kind of sharing like there are things if you're wanting to, you know, also run a business or for you, you know, continue to write professionally and also raise your kids and give them, you know, all the love and attention and time that they need as well. There are certain things that you've kind of chosen to to hand off to other people or to let slide by. Or I, I just remember one example in your book where you're talking about um, how you prioritize like actually sitting down and like reading with your kids over like doing the laundry or something like that, that I was like, oh, yes. Like it just clicked on like kind of picking and choosing the tasks and the priorities that you feel are actually the most important and actually make the most impact in your life and in your kids. Do you want to maybe like talk about that for a second too? Yeah, I think parents in general, it helps to figure out um, what I talk about as your core competencies. And, you know, this is not just scrubbing your house. Like that's not what makes necessarily for a loving household. Um, it's often about investing that time in your relationships, um, doing things that are enjoyable for the other person, sharing moments together. And in, in many cases, I think people become, you know, spend so much time on the chores and errands that we skimp on the other things. And so we might be better off um, figuring out either ways you know, whenever there's something that's not the best use of our time, we can ignore it, minimize it, and outsource it. You know, people always get upset because only outsourcing costs money, which is true. But it doesn't cost anything to lower your standards. I mean, you know, so maybe it's uh -huh. that the sheets get washed a little less often. <laughs> maybe it's that, you know, you have a few more pairs of underwear, so you go a little longer between loads. Maybe you decide that you don't need to pick up the toys every night because they're just going to come out again the next morning, whereas you will never get that time back. Um, and, and so it's not about living in chaos. It's just about recognizing that some things don't matter. I, it, and it is fascinating to me, um, studying time logs because I've had thousands of people track their time for me over the years. And I find that sometimes people have 
pretty incredible stories about what is required in their time. And these stories are all very different. Um, you know, there are some people who grow up in cultures, for instance, that if you don't, you know, spend 90 minutes cooking a night on a meal, like, why are you even bothering? Like, you're a total failure. Like, well, that's interesting. I mean, I, I didn't grow up in that. <laughs> I'm sort of like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 20 minutes should be fine. <laughs> Leftovers, all good. Um, but, but those, you know, if you grew up with that, that's what you consider normal, right? And, and that's, you know, you can decide then, well, do I want to continue to believe that is normal? Or do I want to choose a different normal for myself or decide that, you know, two nights I'm going to go all out and do the whole huge home cooked meal. And then other nights I'm, I'm not going to, right. You know, there's ways to do in between or, um, you know, different things like uh, children must be bathed nightly, right. That's, <laughs> that's an interesting one uh, <laughs> that comes up from time to time. I mean, some people grow, grow up with that belief and, you know, but again, if there's not like a medical reason to, then that's, not actually true. Um, but it, you can suggest that and people will be like, well, no, everyone knows you have to do X. It's like, well, anytime we have a story that everyone knows you have to do X, th there's something going on there. And if you push a little harder, you might see things that might take less time um, that maybe don't have to be done in the way you've been doing them. So, you know, I encourage people to Figure out ways to ignore, minimize, or outsource anything that is not the best use of your time and then use that save time for things that are more meaningful to you. Oh, I love that. And when, even when you were talking about your normals, that's something that me and my husband, when we got married, we had to sit down. I mean, you're, you're forming two worldviews and two different normals together to make a new normal. And we had to literally sit down and be like, wait, how did you grow up? Like how, okay, what does that mean? Do you want to continue that? Oh, how did you grow up? What are we going to do for our nightly routine or our family? Um, and I thought, I love that you brought that out because I think that's so important. Um, and then the, the bath thing I love also because we rarely, I mean, we bathe her enough, but <laughs> our daughter like gets a bath maybe once a week and maybe everyone's cringing listening to that. I don't know, but it, she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. We yeah. love her. Yeah. We love her. Uh, and we love playing with her and, we don't have this like long drawn out night routine to take her to bed or to put her to bed. Um, and I love that you just gave listeners permission to be like, Hey, figure out what is good for your family and spending the actual like quality time with them. And then, outsource, minimize. And what was the other one that you said? Ignore. Ignore. <laughs> let's, let's not get rid of ignore. That's probably the big one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that. I have a question that's not on our list, but kind of in just chatting about this, it kind of made me think of it. As a mom, how do you just, I would love to know personally, how do you do like morning and night routine? Because I think that's a big, a big one that everyone is always like, oh, I get up and, and all of a sudden my life is in chaos and, and I have to take kids to school or I have to feed the baby or like whatever. Do you have a structure or a routine, whether it's morning or night or both that you follow? Um, so it depends. I mean, because stages of life change and in the times when I have a very young child, um, then it's different than when I don't. So for the most part, I do wake up when my baby wakes up. Um, my youngest child is, is one. And so that tends to be what starts my morning right now. Although I do set an alarm because people need to go to school. 
<laughs> or sign on to virtual school some days. We're in a hybrid model here in this district. Um, so, you know, I am up feeding the baby, get coffee going. Uh, my husband and I are, you know, getting breakfast, uh, getting people up in the order that they need to get up. Um, on the days my middle schooler goes to school, I tend to drive him around 7.45. Um, our nanny shows up at 8. Um, and so then she's taking over part of it too. I'm, I tend to still be in half involved with the kids until the um, younger ones, the elementary school ones go to school at nine. Um, but then I'm at my desk and I get started on my work. And that's what I do for the most part through to, you know, afternoon at some point um, when kids are back home or off school and I you know, and in and out of work then and doing activities with them as well. Uh, we tend to have family dinner most nights now, which is uh, upside of the pandemic, I guess. My husband and I are both at home all the time. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was in the past less of a regular thing because one of us might be somewhere, but we're not. <laughs> we're just here. Um, and then, you know, the evening routine is very focused on the kids as well, getting the baby down between 7.30 and 8. Then I get a little bit of free time to relax, read, whatever, while the bigger kids are doing their own thing, try to get the six-year-old and nine-year-old up around 8.30 to do their stories. My husband and I trade off with them. The big boys are supposed to be in the room at nine. Um, if all goes well, then I can relax and read from nine to 10. And I try to have lights off by 10.30 so I can get up and do it all again. I love that. That's so cool. I think I like that you give yourself a bedtime. Also. Yeah. Like, as oh, definitely. You got to give yourself a bedtime. I mean, this is like one of my biggest um, productivity <laughs> tips here. Because if you think about it, most adults can't really sleep in, right? Either because you're caring for children or you have to get up for work at a certain time. Like you can't make up sleep by sleeping in. So the way you sleep in is by going to bed earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's the exact same thing, only it's on the other side of the night. Um, and, and the upside of a bedtime is it just forces you to make a decision. So if 10, 1030 is your bedtime and that time rolls around, you look at what you're doing. And if you're doing something meaningful and wonderful and great, like by all means, stay up. Like you're an adult, you can make that decision. Uh, but if you are just, you know, watching Netflix or scrolling around on Twitter, you say, okay, probably I should turn this off and go to bed. Um, because then you will get enough sleep. Like your bedtime should be determined by what time you need to wake up in the morning and by how much sleep you need. So if you have to wake up at, let's say, 6.30 and you need eight hours of sleep, then your bedtime is 10.30. This is, this is just a math problem. Like there's not <laughs> some magical way that you can get your eight hours of sleep and not go to bed at 10.30 if you need to wake up at 6.30. Mm -hmm. um, people, people try all sorts of things to get around that, but uh, it really just doesn't work. Yes, I think it's also so important. And I think people often neglect this when they think of productivity. I think rest and sleep are ignored from those equations often. We think of like, the pressing the gas type of, of, you know, routines and structures and strategies and all this stuff. But when you actually strip productivity and time management down at the core is often sleep and rest. And if you are lacking in those two areas, you're going to be struggling with everything else. I really think sleep is important. The good news is that overall people do get enough sleep. I mean, I don't know why we like to tell the story that, you know, everyone is gripped by this widespread sleep deprivation. 
uh, people like to remember their worst nights as typical. Um, <laughs> and, and I do it too. I mean, I'll tell you about being up with my one-year-old in the middle of the night. And that is true. Like when people have little kids, their sleep is often interrupted, but later that doesn't necessarily happen as much. And the American Time Use Survey, which is one of the biggest time diary studies that has people recount how they spent yesterday rather than just asking how many hours of sleep do you get per night? Because well, what night? What night are you mm-hmm. talking about? Like <laughs> my worst night, my best night, like when I, you know, crashed for 10 hours on the weekend or like when I had, you know, a short night on a Tuesday, but people will tell you about the Tuesday, but they won't tell you about the long night on the weekend. Um, so asking about yesterday has this kind of all come out in the wash and they find that the average American sleeps over eight hours per day, which nobody ever believes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, But even, even people who have children who have jobs do tend to, um, you know, get more sleep than we might think. For my book, I know how she does it. I had women who had six figure jobs, um, who also had children track their time for a week. And the average person was sleeping about 7.8 hours per day when you averaged it over the whole week. So, you know, not, not that bad. Dang. (laughs) I love that. All right, entrepreneurs, let's face it. You're in a pickle. You're not attracting your ideal clients because your brand visuals are just meh at best, and you're not showing up as the professional ready to make their life 500 times better. Do you honestly feel like your website just sucks? Like your branding feels like you created it in Microsoft's Paint? Anyone else remember Microsoft's Paint? Is that just me? (laughs) Okay. And your, your client experience just overall feels like it's seriously lacking, and you just need a change right now. But let's be honest, you're not ready to drop 8K on a custom web and brand design. Well, don't worry, that's where we come in. Introducing the solution to all of your website struggles, the Heart Shop website templates. Now we spent hours designing these customizable, professional and conversion intense website templates with our incredible designer, Sarah Crook of Elizabeth Designs. They are so incredibly easy to use and customize with ShowIt's user-friendly interface. Yes, by the way, you can easily learn how to work with ShowIt even if you've never touched a website or any design platform before. And you can change literally anything you want. No more being limited to squares on your website. It's a drag and drop system that is freaking easy and looks incredible. Oh, oh, you want more information? Cool, I got you. The templates come already SEO optimized with copy prompts from Lindsay and I included. Yeah, you don't just get nonsensical filler text. You get bomb education and prompts from Lindsay and I to help you wow your potential clients and crush your website copy. And we designed a variety of these in different styles so you can find the closest match and then tweak it to make it fully your own. If you're ready to save thousands of dollars and hours upon hours upon hours of your time and get clients flooding through your website, you need to check these out. So grab yours at theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. One more time, that's theheartuniversity.com forward slash website dash templates. Hey, photographers, this one's for you. Real talk, have you ever felt like your photos just look stale? Like they lacked the oomph that you're looking for? Ever feel like you're not just like fully capturing the life and energy and story of your clients, but you just don't know how to fix it? Well, we've got some magic sauce for you, my friend. Meet your new best friend, The Posing Miner, our online course for photographers showing you how to capture those jaw-dropping, authentic photos of your clients that will leave them in tears because you capture them in the moment so perfectly. Yes, it is packed with six course episodes, over 232 minutes of video content, and three bonus PDFs. Lindsay and I take you out into the field with us, 
like, no, literally, we <laughs> we go into some fields and we walk you through step-by-step step how to pose families, couples, portraits or seniors, wedding parties, and a wedding couple. So if you are ready to say bye-bye to brain farts in the middle of your photo sessions, awkward silences and weird freaking prom poses, uncomfortable clients and subpar images, The Posing Minor is your new best friend. To see more and to join in on the magic, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. One more time, theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. Okay, so Laura, for anyone who is listening to this, who wants to be maybe that that six figure like job earner or just a mom who also has like a side hustle or a business, who's just kind of struggling with the idea of balancing it all. Do you have any tangible tips that you can give to those women on how to to seek that balance? Like kids, life, business, you know, sleep, all of it. Do you have anything that you're like, yes, start here, or these are some great tips to get you going? Well, the first thing I would say is learn to think of your life in weeks rather than days. Um, a week is 168 hours. A day is 24 hours. Um, and the reason to think about 168 hours rather than 24 is first, 168 hours is the repeating of cy- cycle of life as we actually live it. I mean, Tuesday and Saturday both occur just as often, but your life looks very different on each of those. So you want to make sure that you've got both the Tuesday perspective and the Saturday perspective uh, when you are looking at your life. Um, also, 168 hours shows you how much time you have. Um, just as a little math here, if you have a full-time job, which is 40 hours a week, if you sleep eight hours a night, so that is 56 hours per week, right? Seven times eight. Subtract those two from 168 hours and you get 72 hours for other things. So even people who are getting enough sleep, who are working full-time hours, have 72 hours for other things in their lives, which is you know almost twice as much time as they are working at a full-time job. If you work 50 hours, you have 62 hours for other things. If you work 60 hours, you have 52 hours for other things. So like there's still a fair amount of time when you look at the whole of the week. Um, but the, the biggest reason to think 168 hours, not 24, is because things don't have to happen daily, nor do they have to happen at the same time every day in order to count in our lives. Like in general, if you do something three or four times a week, it's a pretty common habit in your life. Right. And yet, if you're looking at a single day and you're doing something three times a week, most days you get to the end of the day and you haven't done it. (laughs) Right. Um, So, you know, you you look at the whole week, you're like, wow, I exercise three times a week. Whereas if you're looking at an individual day, like four of the days you didn't do it, you're like, oh, I'm a horrible, terrible failure because I didn't exercise today. Well, you know, (laughs) but why? Like you can, you can look at the whole of the week and see how different it is. Or, you know, what happens? People like work late some night and they're like, oh, it's horrible, terrible. I missed, missed, uh, you know, bedtime with the kids. Work and family are at odds. Nobody can have it all. It's like, okay, well, you missed bedtime one night. There are (laughs) six other nights in the week that you were there for. Like, why are we? looking at that one where it was a conflict as opposed to work, looking at the whole of the week where more often than not, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that kind of goes to the idea that I think a lot of times, especially mothers focus on the things that they're not doing and the things that they're lacking versus the joy that they have and the things that they are doing. Um, and that just what you said kind of made me think of that, of like reflecting on the good and what you are doing versus focusing so much on the negative or the lack or, oh, I didn't do this. I, I can't do that or whatever have you. Um, so that's, that's super awesome. Um, I just am very curious. What would you say to somebody like 
any mother out there or any, any person out there that's like, has that mindset of like, oh, just wait till you have kids. Like, just wait. Like, what, what would you say to that mindset? Well, I really dislike the just you wait because everyone's experience is different and your particular hangups are not necessarily going to be someone else's. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> so, you know, you can, we should all look at our own lives. And if you are unhappy about something rather than projecting that onto someone else, um, say, well, what can I do to change this? Now, yes, things may be more difficult when you have kids, but they are generally not impossible if you are willing to think it through um, and use the resources that might be available to you or that you could get. So, for instance, you'd be like, oh, I couldn't, you know, a lot of people, it's hard to sleep in, we said, as an adult, right? But let's say that you have a co-parent. Maybe each of you could choose to sleep in one weekend morning if that was something that you wanted to do. Like each of you could get one morning to sleep in. Um, are you going to sleep in both? Well, probably not. Um, but well, maybe if you are the sort of person who really likes to sleep in and your spouse doesn't, like you could take all overnight wake-ups with small children. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, your partner could go to bed very early and, and enjoy some some sleep earlier. I mean, you could probably still work something out. Or if you have hobbies you want to do, um, you just need to arrange coverage, whether that's, you know, with your partner, with um, friends, neighbors, babysitters, uh, make that plan ahead of time, and then you can probably make it happen. Um, you know, again, there's 168 hours in a week. Like you can probably find three 30 minute spots to exercise. If you want mm -hmm. to learn to speak Spanish, you can probably find, you know, 10 minutes to do the Duolingo app five times a week. Uh, you know, this is true with children, it's true without children. Um, you know, yes, you're probably not going to do everything, but nobody does. Um, mm -hmm. So if there's a couple things that you truly do still want to do, you can absolutely make it happen. Mm, I love that. I think, I think that's something that like in my conversations with a lot of people, as I've talked about like productivity or time management, that seems to come up a lot of, you know, well, how do you make time for this? Or how, you know, how on earth do you get this done or whatever? And it's, it all boils down to, you know, pretty much your principle of just like, well, I'm very specific of what I give time to. And, you know, I've eliminated some things or ignored those things or, you know, minimized other things. And I think that's just one of the biggest principles is like, find the things in your life that are actually the most important to you that are in your core competency areas. And then, you know, create a, a, management of your time around those things you can't do it all and like I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we as humans try to do in our culture today is we think we have to try to do it all but literally no one can so <laughs> well I think I'd even ask like well what is it all I mean so when people say, can you have it all? I always say, yes. If you define all as having a meaningful career, a loving family, close relationships with friends, the health that comes from sleeping enough, getting enough exercise, being involved in your community. Absolutely. Yes. You can do all of those things. Now, can you do all of that and spend like 40 hours a week scrubbing the grout in your shower tiles? Like, no, <laughs> but like, why on earth are we including the grout in the having it all definition, right? Like, yeah. you know, say why that, why that's coming in. And, and so, you know, I, I, I think that, um, 
there's a tendency to throw all this extra and unimportant stuff into a definition of what we need to do. But a lot of stuff doesn't necessarily need to happen or, you know, need to be all that big a deal. Um, We focus our time on the meaningful and important and fun stuff that we tend to spend less time on everything else. Mm -hmm. Mm. Amen. I love that. Um, I have a next question for you, Laura. How do you shut off work and create a separation between your work and your family time? That's like a huge thing that I've dealt with, especially as having a kid has... I had a business first and then obviously we had kids. So work-life balance has just been a huge issue. And I know a lot of our listeners just deal with the the blurriness of that line too that can come with, especially I think entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, working from home, having just such a, a fluid line between your office and your home and your work life. Oh, oh, I got an email. Like there's just like all those things. So could you break that down for us? How you do it? Yeah, well, humorously, my husband just opened the door of my home office. So there's a little work-life interaction right there. No, it's, um, well, what, I don't mind the blurriness so much um, because I think there are upsides to it. Like I just had lunch with my kids who are, um, you know, home from their hybrid half-day school right now. And um, then I go back to work after that. Um, I will take a break to go for a run to go do something with a kid. And these are all things that can happen during the day. And so if I'm doing that during the workday, then I don't think it's a big deal that I might, you know, record a webinar at 7.30 p.m. some night. Or Mm -hmm. if I am working on um, work stuff on the sideline at a kid's sports practice or, you know, these are just things you do. You use the time that is available to you. And by making sure that I'm spending time on important things with my my kids, my husband, um, I think it's okay that I spend time on on work stuff during unorthodox times too. And especially as more people are working from home, I think this is um, just the nature of the game. Uh, and and so I I kind of like to embrace it uh, rather than uh, set sort of silly, in my mind, um, boundaries. Uh, but but I will say, not everyone feels that way. Um, and you might need to know this about yourself. If you are more of a compartmentalizer, then you should honor that in your personality. Um, if it's going to make you feel just like ill to take a work call at 8 p.m. after putting kids to bed, then don't do it. <laughs> like, so, you know, schedule it for, you know, 5.30 p.m. and work later that day and just get it all done during work time and then be totally off. Um, if you can't, relax if you can if you know that there's work that's undone or you can see your laptop from other places in your house then then have some sort of shutdown ritual at the end of the day you know write tomorrow's to-do list you know go for a fake commute where you go for a walk or walk the dog and come back and then now you're in home mode uh, call a colleague to say goodbye these are all things you can do to sort of tell your brain that you are ending the day um you know after 20 years of working from home basically going in and out of stuff i i, I feel like i don't need that um, but I don't mind making very quick transitions. If, if transitions are problematic for you, or you just like to ease into things a little bit more or be fully absorbed in one thing and only on that, then again, you might need to, to set some more boundaries. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I think when I, where I personally struggle with it, and I think probably a lot of people maybe do too, is running a business that's so intertwined with my personal life. So like, for example, a personal brand where you're sharing your life almost as 
part of like marketing or as part of like you're blogging about your personal life or you're sharing like a story on Instagram, but it's, it's technically work, but it blurs the line of like, Oh, we're having a family moment. And I'm capturing that because I want to share it with people. I think that's where I personally struggle with it. Cause I, I love that you mentioned like having that fluidity to have the freedom to go on a run. And technically that's not work. Like that's not working. You're running, you're exercising, and then you go into the office and you write or you have a call or whatever like that. And then you have lunch with your kids. I think that's beautiful. I think it's just that blurry line of like, how do you, I don't know. I don't even know what the question, I'm just blabbing at this point. (laughs) Like, just like make that line between like, do we put the phone down? Do we continue like living our lives and sharing the personable, but it's also work. I think that's just where I struggle with it. And I think a lot of people probably do too. Well, I think it can be both. And, you know, there was certainly, I mean, back in the day, there was not that huge set of separation between work and home. I mean, your kids right. worked in the blacksmith shop with you or on the farm with you. And so I guess that's not that different from the influencers I see posing with their six children and matching outfits on Instagram. <laughs> They're, you know, turning children into economically useful <laughs> creatures. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think you, but even so, I'm sure, you know, there are things they probably don't tell too. Um, and this certainly becomes the case as children get older. And this is, you know, sometimes frustrating for people who are entering the stage of having teen and preteen children. It's like, well, where's all the advice and the real stories? Because people have seen plenty of stuff about infants and toddlers and how you deal with them. But, um, you know, teenagers are their own people and probably don't want you sharing things online that they have not approved. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, that's, that's just the, the nature of it. Um, and, you know, I, I think that you can decide um, if, if your family members are part of your uh, professional identity, then as they get older, they can decide how much they wish to be part of that um, at the age when they would sort of start making their own decisions about online um, behavior in, in any case. That's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> uh, I love it. Laura, this is such a fun conversation. I think it's so good to hear from someone who not only, you know, loves and enjoys time management and productivity in your own personal life, but you've also done so much studying of it. You have an incredibly successful career and you have five kids and a husband and a home life that it just seems you love. So it's, it's so cool to hear from someone who has, I guess, like fought for that semblance of balance, which I think work-life balance is such an interesting conversation. There's so many sides to it of like people being like, it's a myth. I actually, let me ask that. What do you think, Laura, about work-life balance? Do you believe that it's a myth? Do you believe that it's attainable? Like, what is your perspective on that? <laughs> it's funny because I use the phrase work-life balance because I know it's what people search for. Um, <laughs> but I think it's 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 odd to think about because when people talk about work-life balance, they almost always mean that they feel like they should be working less. Um, and yet those numbers I ran for you earlier about how many hours we work out of a week, um, most people are not working, I mean, are not working way more hours than they are working. Uh, you know, like it's, if you're working 40 hours a week and sleeping eight hours a night, having 72 hours that you're not working, that you're awake, uh, like, okay, that sounds pretty balanced right there. And yet usually people aren't like, oh, full-time work, that's the balance. Uh, you know, people are like, oh, well, maybe I need to cut back and work part-time, but I'm not sure what's more balanced about working 
30 hours and have 82 hours for other things or working 20 mm-hmm. hours and having 92 hours for other things. Like how is that more mm-hmm. balanced? I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's less time working. That's fine. But I, I, I think balance isn't the right metaphor um, because that also implies that work and the rest of life are on opposite sides of the scale. And for one to go up, the other has to go down. Um, but that's not sort of even true overall on a social level. I mean, you know, one of the biggest social trends in the past 50 years, is the increased number of hours women have worked for pay. Um, and what's happened is at the same time that women have worked more for pay, women have actually started spending more interactive time with their kids too. People are like, well, how, how on earth is that even possible, right? But women do more than just work and spend time with children. Like housework went way, way down mm-hmm. um, during that same time. So people could add to both categories um, by taking time from something else. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it just miss the whole phrase misunderstands how people spend their time. It misunderstands how much time is available for different things. Um, but unfortunately, that is the phrase people use. So, you know, at the moment, we're kind of stuck with it. <laughs> Yes, I agree. Uh, Laura, this has been so much fun. I have just got so much already and I know our listeners have too. We like to ask this question to every guest that comes on because we always get different answers and it's always really fun to hear just different perspectives on a single question. So it's kind of a big question, but what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in your business? Well, you know, one of the biggest um, lessons and productivity tips in general I do is to have a designated weekly planning time. Um, just having some moment every week where you check in and say, well, what is on my plate? Like looking forward to the next week, what would I like to spend my time doing? What are the most important things I could do professionally and personally? I use three categories, career, relationships, and self. Um, and just figuring out what would be the best things for me to accomplish in each of these categories over the next seven days. Days, when can I do them? Schedule them in, you know, see what's already on my plate, see what I need to do to prepare for those things. Uh, and if you do this week after week, you will feel far more on top of everything. And so that's been a, a big lesson in my life, my business, everything else is, is to just have that time to check in. Um, and if you keep checking in, you, you know, will quickly discover the wisdom of checking in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Andrew yeah. and I do that on Sundays. We got this uh, like family planning calendar and it was like super helpful for us. So I love, I'm feeling good that you said that because I'm like, okay, great. We do that. (laughs) But I know Evie does it too, even just like solo, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I do that every either Sunday evening or Monday morning. It depends. And then I do pretty much like a check-in every evening or morning before the next day as well of just like, how am I holding up to that week? Do I need to adjust anything? Do you know, what are my goals for the following day? Like, I think it makes such a difference because you're, you have a clear direction and you have kind of a a structure to keep you like knowing what you're moving towards, why, what time you're spending, making sure you carve out time for those relationships or that rest or, you know, all of that. I think it just gives you it's like, to me, it's almost like putting on glasses where everything's becomes a lot more clear and you can actually see where you're going instead of just blindly trying to walk in the dark. Like, I don't know. Definitely. Definitely. I love that. So fun. Laura, this has been the coolest conversation. Thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. For any of our listeners who are like, I need to connect with Laura. I need to learn from her, read her books, all of that. Where can people find with you, connect with you and learn from you? 
Yeah, you can come find my website, which is lauravandercam.com. Um, if you're looking for other podcasts, uh, Before Breakfast is every weekday morning, a short productivity, short productivity tip to take your day from great to awesome. Or you can listen to Best of Both Worlds, which I co-host with Sarah Hart Unger, and that comes out every Tuesday. Uh, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Laura. It has been an honor to have you on the show. And we just look forward to seeing how you crush it in life with (laughs) five kids and business and read more of your books. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me.